So what I want to start off with is I want somebody to yell out a scripture from the Bible. Anybody, pick one out. Which is? Wow, that was good. <laughs> All right, let's get another one somebody can recite. Give me another verse. Talk to me. Come on, wake up. Give me a verse from the Bible. We got 200 people in here today. Which is? See, that's a great verse. Do you believe that verse? Great verse. Give me one more. One more verse. Now, do you believe that? That's a great verse. The point is, the Bible is the word of God, and I will stand up here every time I have an opportunity to speak and tell you that the Bible is the word of God, and it is truth. And you can't pick and choose what you want to believe from the Bible. We had some verses shouted out right here, and those people believe those verses to be true. If you believe any one verse of the Bible to be true, you must believe the entire thing. Take it all or leave it all. It is the word of God. It is truth. And that includes the scriptures on Satan, which is who we're going to talk about today. So the question is, are Satan and his demons real? And what about hell? Is it real? Society wants us to believe that the devil is a fictitious character, that hell is an imaginary place, things that are made up. They're just scare tactics to keep us in line, to keep us in the straight and the forward. If you have that line of thinking, I suggest you change it very rapidly. Satan is real. I'm going to tell you two things, and I'd like you to let them sink in. The very first thing I want to tell you, that believing in hell is not a prerequisite for admission. Let that sink in. Number two, not believing in Satan does not diminish his effects on your life. So do you believe that Satan and his demons are real? I do, and I pray that you do as well. The Bible tells us that they're real and not to be taken, taken lightly. Satan would like nothing more than for every one of us to believe that he does not exist. Now, the word Satan and or the word devil are used over a hundred times in Scripture. And there is a reason that God reveals Satan to us so many times in his word. And that's because Satan is real. He exists. And God wants us to be aware of his deceptive, enticing, and very evil ways. Jesus tells us a few things about Satan in the Bible. And the first is that he does exist. If I could have slide one up on the screen for me, please. There's going to be a bunch of them on there, right, I hope. Yep. All right, from Revelation 12:9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Angels thrown down with him. Those are his demons. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians 4, 26 through 28. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Mark 1, 39. And he went through all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and expelling demons. And from the book of Matthew 10, 7 through 8. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. The Bible is very specific, and Jesus is telling these, us these things for a reason. Jesus wants us to recognize Satan and his goons, okay? He fought against them as well. Jesus spent a good part of his ministry expelling demons. 
Jesus cast out demons in the synagogues, in Galilee, outside, inside houses, on a seashore, in a ship. In every city and village Jesus went, he cast out demons. Slide two. Book of Luke tells us. And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with the authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. The power of Jesus Christ. Next passage, Matthew eight twenty-eight through 31. When he arrived at the other side of the region of Gardarenes, two demon-possessed men came from the tombs to meet him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Do you see something here? In both these passages, the demons recognized Jesus. They knew who he was. They were afraid of him, as they should be. Jesus defeats them. Jesus continued with his teaching and lets us know that Satan has a kingdom. Crowd participation time. Where is Satan's kingdom? Right here. This is Satan's kingdom. This is his world. If you look in Luke 4, 5 through 7, and you guys all know this passage, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor it is, that has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone that I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Anywhere in that scripture does Jesus rebuke the fact of what Satan said? Did he tell Satan, this isn't your world, it's mine? He didn't. It is true, this is Satan's world. This, his kingdom is right here, and it's right now. Jesus knows how real Satan and his demons are, and we better as well. Now, one of the misnomers that's out there, and as I did some research for this sermon, there was a lot of people talking about how they don't think that, Je that uh, Satan and his demons are alive and present today. They think that when Jesus died on the cross, all that was taken away. And if you're a Christian now, you have no worries and no fears about Satan. I beg to differ on that. If it is true that, it is true that Jesus defeated Satan and disarmed him on the cross. However, if Satan is no longer a threat to us in our society, and we have no danger from him, why is it that he is mentioned so many times in Scripture? Why is it that Paul tells us in Ephesians... Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is telling us that we have a fight on our hands. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemies are the rulers, authorities, and spiritual forces of evil. In a nutshell, our enemy is Satan. In 1 Peter 4.8, we are warned, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, the last time I checked, the lion is not a vegetarian. We agree on that? When I, when I picture a lion, I do not picture a weed-eating, passive creature. A lion constantly spends his time looking for the weaker animals to attack and to kill. And that's what Satan does to us. Satan travels around the world constantly looking for the weaker people, Christians and non-Christians alike, that he can attack and overcome. The weaker we are, the easier the hunt is for Satan. 
Satan is definitely active and alive today. The Bible also tells us in Revelation 20, 7 through 10, when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Satan will not be bound up and destroyed until the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's biblical. I don't think I missed the second coming. Jesus has not been here the second time yet. With that being the case, that means that Satan and his demonic army are alive and well today, and they are after us. One of the questions that came up as I was researching this again was, how is it that Satan can be in so many places at one time? How is that possible? Satan is a created being, correct? Big participation from the right-hand side of the room. Satan is a created, cre a created creature, right? Okay, which means that he is not om omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He is finite, okay? Jesus, on the other hand, God is infinite. He is omnipotent, and he can be everywhere at every time. So if, G if, if Satan is not omnipresent, how is it that he can affect more than one person at a time? Demons. There you go. See, people, you guys are into it right now. The demons are out there. They work with him. They're part of his army. And where he can't be, they are. And what are demons? Good question, Suzanne. Demon, demons are evil spirits, and they are created. And they were cast down. They are part of Satan's army. He is called the prince of demons in Mark 3.22. They are his agents, and they all work together. And people who say that Satan and demons are not active today are being deceived. Because in, in the book of John, 844, does anybody know the Bible very well, Big Cleave? 844. John says that he is the father of what? The father of lies. That's what he does. He wants people to believe that he's not active today. It's the perfect ploy. Think about it. If, if we don't believe that he's active today, how much easier is it for him to get to us? If he's not present in our life and we think he does not exist, he can leak in and sneak in anywhere that he wants to. And we need to open our eyes and realize that we are in a spiritual warfare with Satan. We need to take our heads out of the sand, stand up and fight, but we cannot defeat him alone. And when I say we can't defeat him alone, who is going to be on our side? Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's who's on our side. We need to fight Satan in the name of and the power of Jesus Christ. We cannot defeat Satan by ourselves. And if you had to pick someone to be on your team, who better to pick than Jesus Christ? Can you pick a better partner, Terrell? Cannot. Not hardly. That's the guy you want on our team. And since day one, Satan has been affecting the human race. How long did it take the Satan... How long did it take Satan to persuade or mislead Eve? Right away. Right? In the Garden of Eden, the perfect place. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no problems in the Garden. They have everything that they want. And Satan says, no, nah, go ahead. Eat from that tree. Because when you do what? Your eyes will be opened, right? You will know the difference between good and evil, and you will be like, and you will be like God. Come on. He persuaded Eve to do that. And then what did Eve do? Thank you, Eve. I'm just kidding. Eve walks over to Adam and says, hey, Adam, check it out. I got a fruit for you. And Adam says, okay, I'll eat it. Doesn't say we knew, he knew where it was from, but either way, he gave it to Adam. And then what did Adam do? Adam ate the fruit as well. And then both of their eyes were opened. And it tells us right there in Genesis 3.13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, 
and I ate. Satan is the master deceiver. And it's, a deceiver is someone who persuades or makes somebody believe in something that is not true. And Satan sends his troops out to mislead us and persuade us every day. And how does Satan mislead us? How does he persuade us? One way is that he plants thoughts in our minds. And if we look at the book of Chronicles, David did something God was not very pleased with. David took a census of Israel. Does anybody know this story? He took a census of Israel. God did not advise him to do so, but he took it upon himself to make that happen, so it seems. And what happened when he took that census of Israel? Plague hit. And then what happened? Did a couple people die? A couple. 70,000 people died because of what David did. And you've got to think, what, what would possess David to do something like that? It's not what, it's who. If you look at Chronicles 21.1, it says, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. And incited means to stimulate or entice. I had to look that up. That's what that means. In other words, Satan planted a thought in David's mind to do something that God did not approve of. Now, of course, that's a novelty because none of us ever have thoughts in our mind, right, with things that God doesn't approve of, right? We all walk through our daily life, and we just have all these pure thoughts. We're all in church right now, and we're all churchy thoughts, and everything's going on good, right? So nobody's here ever has had that struggle, right? We've never had thoughts of lust, envy, greed, jealousy, anger, revenge. None of those thoughts ever enter our minds. In Matthew 16.22, Peter rebuked Jesus for revealing that he must go to Jerusalem, be killed, and rise on the third day. And what happened there? Who do you think incited Peter to talk like that? Wow, that's, we can be louder. Who incited Peter to talk like that? Satan. Satan did, right? And then what happens here is Jesus talks not to Peter, but when he's yelling at Peter... He's not yelling at Peter as if he's Satan. He knows who incited that. He knows who put that thought into Peter's mind. And he says to him in Matthew 16, 22, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind of things of God, but the things of men. He was talking through Peter at Satan, and he recognized that. So a lot of times when I've read that passage, I always thought, Oh, geez, he's calling Peter Satan. That's not the case. Satan knew what he was doing. Satan recognized Jesus. Peter was just a vessel to make that happen. Jesus knew that Satan was the one that planted that in Peter's mind. And that's the second time I've talked today about Satan trying to stop Jesus from his mission of getting to the cross, tempting him in the desert and, and speaking through Peter. And when we look at these passages, it's, it's obvious that Satan can plant these misleading thoughts in our minds. It's what he does. And here are some thoughts, random thoughts, that he plants in our minds. True or false, you guys can decide. You don't need to go to church to be saved. Christians and church-going people, they're all hypocrites anyway. There's no biblical truth to baptism and salvation. The devil comes at us and he says, it's all right to cheat on your spouse. No one's ever going to find out about that. When we're angry, Satan tells us, go ahead and get revenge. It'll make you feel better. It's okay. Satan comes to us in the middle of the night and says, keep buying, buying those seasoned Browns tickets. The year you stop buying them is the year they go to the Super Bowl. That was a joke. This one here is not. He tells us you're not a good Christian. 
He tells us you've done too many bad things in your life. You think bad thoughts. You do bad things. There is no way that Jesus is going to save a guy like you. Give up on your faith. It's okay to sleep with your neighbor's husband. He doesn't love her anyway. Pornography. It's harmless. Pornography is harmless. It's just pictures. It's just movies. Nobody gets hurt. And to my SMT friends, which I'm so happy you guys are here today. I asked Dave to let you stay, and he said, hey, that's going to work out because we don't have SMT. But this is for you. It's all right to drink alcohol and do drugs. You're young once, right? Live it up. God wants you to have a good time, doesn't he? He put that stuff here for you. It's okay to have sex before marriage. There's nothing wrong with it. God created sex, right? If that's the case, why wouldn't he want you to partake? Those are some of the thoughts that he puts inside our heads. He hurls those misleading thoughts into our minds. Satan is the mighty deceiver. He's after our souls, and he wants us to commit sin after sin, trying to put that wedge between Jesus Christ and ourselves. And he will come at you with every weapon he has. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care how much power and status you have. It doesn't make a difference to him. He is after every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth. We are his enemy. He is after our souls. And there's only two ways that Satan stops when he is after our souls. One is that we're safe with our Father in heaven. He cannot get to us. And the second one, he stops because, guess what? He has your soul. Those are the only two reasons that he stops. He is the best at what he does. We are not to follow his misleading thoughts. We need to stand strong in God's ways, rebuke Satan. And here's the part that just blows me away. Satan went after Jesus Christ himself. Put that into perspective. We already know that the demons and Satan know who Jesus is. So it's not like he stumbled across this guy and went, mm, I'm going to try to tempt this guy. He knows who, who Jesus was. And yet, he still comes after him. He went after the Son of God. The only man that can defeat him by himself is God. And he went after his son and said, I got this guy. If he could go after Jesus Christ, don't you think that he would come after? Not for a second would he hesitate to come after you. That's how bold, that's how brave Satan is. Satan tries to entice us constantly to commit an unwise or immoral act. And usually that temptation is thrown our way is something very pleasurable. It's something that we want, yet it's against God's will. Can we get uh, a picture of Satan up there, one of them that we had? Pick and choose. It doesn't matter. You can put the guy up there with the horns. Okay. Anyway, picture Satan in your mind. Hollywood has a, a depiction of Satan, Okay. Anybody's got that vision in their mind right now? Typically, it's a guy with these nasty bat wings, horns on his head, big fangs, teeth, and stuff like that, right? Who in the world is going to run to him with open arms? Look at that comfortable-looking guy. I want to go hug him. Nobody would go to him. Nobody is wooed by his good looks and his charm when he looks like that. But see, that's the way Satan wants you to see him. Satan wants you to see him as, not as, the, as that because when he is not that image, how much easier is it for him to get to you? Nobody's going to run to a guy that looks like pure evil. Think about all the movies you've seen where Satan is portrayed. Nobody wants a piece of that guy other than to see him dead. 
So, of course, he's not going to come to you that way. But he will present himself in the form of sex, alcohol, drugs, money, pornography, power, status, and prestige. That's what Satan comes at you with. That's the attractive part of it. Satan, Satan could drive up to my house in a truck that says free beer on the side. Okay? Taps all down one side of it. On the other side, uh, slot machines. And on the back of that, that truck, there could be a, a, a hippie lettuce dispenser. All I can smoke. Okay? I am not going to be drawn to that truck. Those are not my crutches. I have nothing to do with that. I walk away no problem. Now, on the other hand, if he drove a free sausage and bacon truck, <laughs> and it was driven by bikini, bikini models, pulling a bass boat full of Coca-Cola and fried chicken, <laughs> I'm going to run to it. Okay? The point is, Satan is not going to throw stuff at you that is not tempting to you. He knows what your weaknesses are. He knows what to get you with. He knows how to draw you in. Here's a couple things that, that you need to think about, and some of this stuff is going to hit home, and, and, it, and I really hope that it does. Part of me, when I was talking about this, I'm like, it's really tough to call people out, but individually, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to throw some things at you, and it's not about fried chicken and bacon, okay? That's not the case. What this is going to be about is, is the stuff that Satan does throw at us. Right now, if he knows your weakness, if it's lust that you struggle with, Satan is going to keep you up late at night looking at pornographic websites, he will deceive you into believing that adultery is okay. He will convince you that the only measure of value that you have is what you possess. And if gossip is your downfall, then Satan will entice you to talk about others and then convince you that it's okay to do so. And if you struggle with chemical dependencies, alcohol and drugs, Satan will hammer you over and over again with opportunities to indulge in alcohol and drugs. And until we are willing to say no to those temptations, then Satan and his cronies will not stop. They will bombard us time and time again with tempting desires. Every day, it's what they do, hoping to drive that wedge between us and God. And I want you to think about this. They have nothing else to do. We all have our regular lives. We're going to be done with church today, and we're going to go home. We're going to watch the Browns lose. <laughs> going to happen. I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying it's just going to happen. But we go home and we have our regular lives. Think about the demons. What do the demons do? Do they go home and see their families? Hey, honey, I had a rough day at work today. Take, some, take a little break, take a breather, grab something to eat, catch a movie, and then go back out for second shift. They have nothing else to do. All they, their job is to entice us, to tempt us, and lead us away from God. That's their job. Satan is so real and so active today that he is active in this church right now. I can promise it. It's a bold statement. I understand that, but I can prove it. Try this one on right here. How many of you have turned me off this morning? Now, it could be that I'm a lousy preacher and I'm boring you guys to death. That's very possible. But Satan will get in your minds and cause you to think about other things. You're sitting there this morning thinking, man, that Thanksgiving dinner was awesome on Thursday thinking about all the dressing and everything you had on that. You're thinking about the Browns game this afternoon. You're thinking about work tomorrow. And how many of you have looked lustfully at anyone in this church this morning? How many people had multiple excuses not to come to church today? How many people were led away from this church today? How many people are going to walk out of here this morning 
and go and meet their mistress? How many will speak pleasantly about somebody that they see here at church today and the moment they walk away, start gossiping about them? Tell me Satan isn't working in this church today. Pretty dark message I've delivered so far. I understand that. But, as always, there's a saving grace. And I praise God that there is. Now, this next passage has become one of my favorite Bible verses. I love James 4, 6. This happened to take its place this week anyway. If we could put it up there. Mark 3.27. This is only one sentence. And i got to tell you, this is one of the most gripping sentences that you can read in the Bible. Mark 3.27 says, No one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. That's a parable. Okay? We don't have, I don't have a strong man living in my house, my physical house. However, I do have the Lord Jesus Christ living in this house. And that's what they're talking about in this passage. The Lord resides inside of you. God is your strong man. Do you have the Lord in your house? That's the question. And if you do not have him in your house, I suggest very, very highly that you invite him in. If God is in his house, Satan cannot overpower you. How awesome is that? If the Lord resides in your house, he can't do anything to you. Because why? First, he'd have to overpower Jesus. And can Satan overpower Jesus? No, he can't do it. So if the Lord resides in your house, he can try as hard as he wants. And he can knock, and he can try to get in, and he can try to take the stuff out. He can try to take your soul. But with God in your house, he cannot do it. God is your strong man. What devil, the devil tries to do is he tries to intimidate you into conceding some sort of defeat. He wants to trick you into thinking that he is unbeatable, that he is undefeated. That is not true. Jesus defeats him, and that's the man you need in your house. He will harass you and confront you with every temptation imaginable. Satan will do everything he can to cause you to stumble. Do not let your guard down. Satan is real. He is constantly after you. Do not give in to him, and most of all, do not take him on alone. Recognize the strategies of your enemy so that you armed with scripture, prayer, and the strength of Jesus Christ can defeat him. Now, we're going to have a time of prayer right now. I've asked Marcus to come up and, and uh, play a song as we do this, and there's going to be some people down here at the foot of the cross. And I can't say this strongly enough. If you or someone you know suffers against the incredible temptations that Christ has, not Christ has, that Satan has, and you cannot get around it, and you find yourself on those pornographic websites late at night, your family, your friends, somebody at work, if you find yourself in situations with alcohol and drugs, lust and envy and anger, and you can't shake them, I'm asking you guys to come up. Let us pray with you up here. Do not take him on alone. We know he's too strong. Satan is stronger than you or I by ourselves. There's no question about that. But not stronger than our Heavenly Father, who is the strong man in our house if we let him in. Amen?